Hello and welcome to the St Mark's podcast. Whether you regularly join us at church on Sundays or you're joining us for the very first time, we hope that this week's talk inspires you and draws you closer to Jesus. Today's reading is from Joshua chapter 1 and verses 1 to 9. Now then, you and all these people... Get ready to cross the River Jordan into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Well, what a great mixture of people we have here today. We've got uh, baptism candidates, uh, reaffirmation of baptism candidates. We've got friends and families of baptism candidates and reaffirmation candidates. We've got people who come here every week, people who come here whenever they can. We've got people who might have been invited to come and see what Alpha Sunday is all about. And we've got people who have invited people to Alpha and we've got people who have not yet invited people to Alpha. And I'm sure we've got some other people in the mix as well. It's a great mixture of people. And I thought, how am I going to talk to this great mixture of people? And then I started to think about mint. Have you ever thought about mint? Yeah, you know what mint is, right? Mint. You're having a roast dinner on a Sunday. What do you need? Mint. You wash your hands in the toilets. Ooh, they smell nice. What's that smell? Mint. You brush your teeth in the morning. What's that? Mint. You go for an ice cream, the opposite of brushing your teeth. What's the flavor? Mint. I put a candle on last night. What did it smell of? Mint. Wherever you go, mint is the multi-action herb. You want a chocolate after 8 o'clock, specifically after 8 o'clock? Mint. It's everywhere. And uh, the reason I was thinking about mint is because I think courage is like mint. Because I think it takes courage to take that step of faith and say, I'm going to be baptized today, or I'm going to reaffirm my faith today. It takes courage to be the friends and family, to come along and see what that's all about. It takes courage to invite someone along 
to Alpha. It takes courage to ask those big questions of life and faith. It takes courage to come into this building for the first time. And one way or another, we either needed courage before or we will need courage in our life going forward. And luckily for us, the Bible reading today, the the people who are paying attention will have noticed it said courage not once, but three times. Three times it talks about courage. And I I really want to talk about um, the courage aspect of that. But first, we need to put ourselves in the context. Who was Joshua? Where was he from? What was he doing? Well, Joshua is the sixth book of the Bible. The first five... um, basically set in play the context for the rest of it. We believe that the Bible is a unified story that leads us to Jesus. And the first five books of the Bible set in motion this pattern that we see looping throughout all of those first five books. It's one of creation, enslavement, liberation, and renewal. Creation, God made the world. He made us. He made all of these things. Uh, And he wanted to be in relationship with us. He wanted to give us roles and responsibilities to steward the world. He made this amazing place for us. Enslavement. One way or another, we push back on that idea of letting God decide what's right. Uh, We fall into slavery, whether it be slavery to sin, whether it be slavery literally in the Bible. There is slavery in there as well. One way or another, we leave God's perfect creation and end up enslaved to something. But the people consistently realize what situation they've got themselves into. So they're liberated. They cry out to God and they're liberated from slavery. And then there's renewal. God works consistently in those people who've ended up lost, those people who've ended up in slavery, and he liberates them and continues to work anew in them. We ask all the time, what difference does Jesus make to your life? It's a constant renewal and transformation of our lives. So that is the pattern that we see looping round and round. And by the time we get to Joshua, he is on the edge of a land, a new creation, uh, that he is going to enter. It is flowing with milk and honey. Milk meaning uh, it's good for taking care of your flocks. It's good for that. And honey meaning there wasn't loads of beekeepers, but the natural environment was one of an incredible uh, standard that the bees just kept on making that honey. They loved it there. Um, So he's on the edge of this land, and he's going to lead the people into the land. And I don't know about you, but I think uh, to start a war or to enter a land which you're going to take by war or by God doing miraculous things... I've never done that before, but I think that's quite scary. Um, Don't know if any of you have declared war before, but... Can't imagine it's something that you do without courage. Courage is the thing where you are afraid, but you do it anyway. You're afraid to do something, but you still do that thing. And so it takes courage. Joshua needed courage. And this is where God said to him, three times, have courage. Now, this is where I want to give a a brief kind of notice, um, if you read this Bible verse again and again and again, and you just see those words, be strong and courageous, that 
isn't going to change your life. You, you can't walk into a garage and go, hello, I'm a car. You cannot hear someone say, no matter how many times they tell you you're a terrible person, that does not make you a terrible person. And so it's the same with courage. Someone can't say, come on, be courageous, and magically, poof, you're courageous. It doesn't work like that. The Bible is something called... Uh, someone's ringing. Um, so I'm on the edge of my seat. I always wonder if it's going to be God saying, tell him to, to stop talking. Um, the Bible is written in something called meditation literature. That doesn't mean that you take a Bible into a room and you go, um, and all of a sudden you're enlightened. It means it's something that is meant to be chewed over, meant to be meditated upon. You're most supposed to read these things and think about these things and take them with you into your life, into different scenarios, and let them reveal themselves through the scripture. So three times in this passage it says, be strong and courageous, but it gives us a clue as to why we are able to be strong and courageous. It's uh, the three Ps, uh, not mushy, sweet, and sugar snap. Um, three Ps that will give us reason to have courage. And the first of those is uh, promises. So Joshua, um, when he's first said, be strong and courageous, God says, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. You will inherit the land that I swore to your ancestors that I would give them. He's not going into this land with nothing behind it. He's going into this land with the promise of God that he would set them apart, a land for them, a new creation, a place where they could be and they could thrive and they could be fruitful and multiply. That's the land that they're heading into. God had promised it to his ancestors. And that's great. God promised that to Joshua then. Um, but do you know that God actually promised a lot of things? And because the Bible is meditation literature, not only does it apply to Joshua directly then, but it continues to apply to their, our lives. And I um, went through and I highlighted a few different promises that I think are significant. I've got 10 for you. It's not the top 10, just 10 that I thought were good. And I'm going to absolutely rifle through them because I think all of them um, give us something. So here we go, top 10. I feel like I need the top of the pops music, but I didn't prepare that. So we're just going to go through. Number one, uh, God promises to strengthen you. It says in Ephesians, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his Spirit in your inner being. God, be strong and courageous, because God promised through his Spirit he would strengthen us to go through things. God promises to give you rest. Jesus said to me, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He promises to take care of all your needs. In Philippians, it says, this is the same God who takes care of me, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. God promises to answer your prayers. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. God promises to work everything, everything out for your good. 
And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are being called according to his purpose for them. God promises to be with you. I will not fail or abandon you. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Still Joshua. God promises to protect you. In the Psalms it says, this, is, this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. He promises freedom from sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. It's not just a promise. Joshua's name, by the way, means God saves. And Jesus' name comes from Yeshua, Joshua, which means God saves. His very name is the literal purpose that he carried with him into his life when he was carried up onto the cross and died for our sins. He saved us from our sins. He gave us freedom. God promises that nothing can separate you from him. This isn't like an annoying toddler who follows you around and you can't get rid of them. This is God of the universe saying, for I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And he promises everlasting life. For God is so loved, that he gave, so loved the world, he gave his son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This isn't an endless list of the promises. No, um, there are actually something like 3,000 promises that God makes throughout the Bible. But hopefully you get the picture. If you want a copy of those 10 promises to take home, um, I can email it, I can photocopy it, I can do anything for you. Those promises are promises that are inspiring every day. Those promises are reasons with which we can have courage because God has promised so much to us. You're worried about things. God has promised he'll give you rest. You're you know, nervous about inviting people to Alpha. God is there with you. You're worried about the way your life has gone to this point. God will not let anything separate you from his love. So reason number one, we should be courageous. Joshua was courageous because God promised to him lots of things. Number two is practices. Practices. Uh, the number two that God said, he said, be strong and very courageous. Not just courageous, very courageous. He says, be careful to obey all the law my, Moses, my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Um, it's very easy uh, for me to preach practices, say you need to put practices into place. But I instead want to talk to you about my coffee machine. Um, I have a coffee machine. It's not a boast. Most people have a way of making coffee, don't they? Um, and it has a function which it has that image on it. It says latte. And I press the buttons, grind, pour the water, 
do something with the milk. And I try and put those two ingredients together, coffee, milk. And at no point does it ever come out looking like that. <laughs> and I do this every single day. Every single day I make a coffee that should look like that. And every single day it comes out, it tastes lovely, but it comes out as a sploosh of milk on the top. Sometimes it's just all brown. Other times there's hints that it could have been formed into art, but it has not made it there. And the reason I'm telling you about this is because it's very easy for me to be like, why isn't there art there? I have not read a book. I have not watched a video. I haven't even asked Ben for advice. Ben knows how to make it. He's used my machine and made latte art. I still haven't done it. I have not practiced. I have not put into place in my life a way of changing the result. I have not taken on any advice through the hundreds of years of coffee history. I've just carried on every day imagining that one day, through magic, latte art will appear. It won't. Because we need to put into practice the ways that God has given us to live our lives. We did a whole series on practices. There are so many of them that are so good, but I like two really simple ones. One, when I drink my coffee, I sit down on a sofa and I try and not think about anything. I just go, God, I am here. So at the very least, for about five minutes, the length of time it takes me to drink a coffee, I'm sitting there with no agenda other than to be in God's presence. The other thing I do is I read the Bible. It started for me with just the verse of the day on Bible Gateway, just see the verse of the day. And I found that it actually spoke into my life a lot. And there's no shame here in any capacity. I genuinely think the verse of the day can speak into your life every day for the rest of your life. You can hear lots of things, and it's really good. At the minute, I'm doing a really slow study of the first five books of the Bible. It's taken me a year and a half, and I'm still in the last one um, because I'm just reading it bit by bit and allowing it to be something that I think about for the rest of the day. But if we do not do anything with our lives that is some of the suggested ways God has given us to live, we cannot expect our lives to become that latte art at the end. We're just going to get a splodge. If we want to hear from God, if we want to have our lives shaped by him, to do that we have to shape our lives in a way that we're allowing God to shape our lives. It's really simple and it's really easy not to do. One of the things I do as well is leave my phone upstairs on charge. I let it die at the end of the day, which clearly I'm good at making batteries die. And I leave it upstairs on charge because otherwise I come downstairs and I will go on BBC Sport and then I'll read about four or five articles about different sports teams and then I'll, you know, probably check on some format of social media. I'll look at my emails, see what's coming up in my calendar. And by that point, I haven't acknowledged that God exists. I've just acknowledged that my phone is really shiny and I like looking at it. Uh, it's not a criticism. It's a thing I have to put in place into my life so that my life can be shaped in the practices, in the ways of, um, of God. 
So practice. And number three, so the smart ones of you are thinking, great, he's going to stop talking soon. Presents, not Christmas presents, um, physical presents. That's the last one that we're given. Joshua is told, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God told Joshua, have courage, which means, you know, you might be afraid, but still do it, because I will be with you wherever you go, wherever you go. Not like if you go over to that dodgy area, I'm not coming. Not if you walk so far away from what I intended for your life, I will leave you behind. No, he will go with you wherever you go. And it makes such a difference to acknowledge that in our lives. Over the summer, we went to Focus, and our boys uh, went into children's groups. Our seven-year-old ran off like it didn't matter. Our four, now five-year-old, but he was four at the time, was like, I will go to the group if you go with me. He wanted the reassurance of my presence with him to know that he could do new things, to know that he could meet new people, to know that he could take himself into an environment that he'd never been in before. He wanted my presence with him. It was annoying for me at the time. It is not annoying for God. It is not annoying for God. He wants to be present with us. He's present with us now. He's present with us always. We just sometimes forget that. And... I witnessed what it felt like, I think, in uh, assembly on Monday. My uh, seven-year-old Ezra, he was star of the week. Um, It was wonderful. We got a secret invite. Come to assembly. Your child has been chosen. And we turned up and sat on the back row. And when he walked in, he clocked us. And the most lovely smirk grew across his face. He was like, he knew what it meant when we were present in that room. And it filled him with such joy to know that we were there. In a normal day, we were there. And God isn't just there in our lives when we get star of the week. He's there when we get Whatever the opposite is, don't know what it is. I don't think they do it in school. It's probably not affirmation for those children. But God is here with us in all times, in all places, no matter what we do. So we can have courage to ask those big questions of life because God is here. We can have courage to invite people to church, to Alpha, because God is with us when we do it. We can have courage to step into a life of faith knowing that God is with us and nothing we can do can stop that. Presence. God is with us so we can have courage. And I want to see, is is something that we want to see in this place is 
a church full of people who are afraid, who are worried, who are concerned, but know that despite all of that, we know the promises of God. We are practices of the way. Practices, that's a terrible sentence, sorry. And we know that God is present with us in all times and in all places. So we are a people of courage. We are a church filled with courageous people who do things um, because they know those three Ps. Shall we pray? Let's stand and respond to the three Ps. God, I thank you for all of the people uh, who came in here today, uh, no matter what reason they have for being here. We thank you for them. And we pray, Lord, that uh, that wild bunch of mint that have gathered different people um, would be a people who begin to know um, and trust that you are here in all circumstances, that they are a people of courage because of the promises you've made to them. They're a people of courage because of the practices they have in their life. And they're a people of courage because they know you are present with them. Amen.